Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where each week we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is Tom Ross, Group Operations Director at everyone's favourite hotel brand, The Pig. Coming up on today's show... Tom demonstrates that he has his priorities in exactly the right place. So I went back to my boss and I said to him, I'm really sorry, but if I don't take my wife to this, I am up for a divorce. Phil makes his play for the number 10 hot seat. You know, so we've got to take control. Oh God, it sounded like Boris. And Tom hints that he may have some interesting stories. Have you got any funny stories that you can share with us? <laughs> All that and so much more as we chat through Tom's fantastic story and journey to date. Tom chats with amazing energy and passion throughout and his story is another indication of what you can achieve when you find that passion and get your head down and crack on. Next week we'll mark our 100th episode and we've got something a little bit special lined up so don't forget to like, subscribe and review on whatever podcast platform you're listening. It really does make a massive difference. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the next episode of Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street. Today I am delighted to welcome someone to the show who's built themselves a rather tidy career so far, culminating in him taking the reins as the Group Ops Director at everyone's favourite hotel brand, The Pig. I am, of course, talking about the wonderful Tom Ross. Welcome to the show. <laughs> I've never been called the wonderful Tom Ross before. I, I like that. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much for having me, Phil. Yeah, you're very, very welcome. You can uh, you can take that forward with you if you want and just tell everybody that you're now the wonderful Tom Ross. Yeah, I'll get it printed on my card. And yeah. Then, uh, yeah. On my email as well, yeah. Absolutely. I think it's one of those things, isn't it? When, when you win an award, it's usually because somebody's identified something in you that... Um, you, know, you haven't necessarily been working towards yourself, but when you kind of give yourself that award, it's uh, it takes on a whole different meaning, doesn't it? I, I, I've never won an award. It's, 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 I, I, always, I always seem to miss out on them. So um, I'll, uh... Really? <laughs> well, there's still plenty of time. Plenty of time. It doesn't, it's not, I'm not bitter or anything. It's not. I had it actually down here that you were on the Boutique Hotelier's Power List of 2017. Is my research uh, false? Uh... uh, uh... I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say. I don't, maybe that's not an award. That's not an award. I'm, I, I, I'm thinking an award is um, I want a trophy. You know, I want something tangible. Right. I want to be standing somewhere raising a trophy above my head. So, Got you. Okay. Well, <laughs> a, a, a list is at least an acknowledgement that you're doing something right. <laughs> anyway, cool. probably shouldn't talk about this all day. But anyway, uh, how are you anyway? Yeah, I'm great, thanks. Yeah, back in the office and yeah, nice and busy, really. It's, oh God, I mean, it's, I, I don't even want to start talking about COVID and everyone starts off the same way, don't they? But um, no, I, yeah. I was at a couple of events in London yesterday and the day before and it just felt strangely normal. You know, uh, an event for 170 people, everyone crowded in. Yeah. Um, it was a great time. Yeah. Everyone oh. coughing and sneezing over everyone else and just getting <laughs> on with it. It was a good night. Yeah, I, I actually put on an event in London about a month ago, and um, it, was, it was the same. Actually, you, the the atmosphere in the room was absolutely electric. Like we are so happy to be back doing this. You know, everybody was just delighted to be kind of let off the leash a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I think it's. Um, I, I spoke to someone. He said I was even excited about going to a conference. You know, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like I, I think everyone's just really up for it. But it's very. I find going from the hotels into 
somewhere like London really, really strange, you know, because in those events in London, like no one's wearing masks, no one's distancing. And yet still, you know, I'm not sure whether it's just to do with location, but, you know, still within the hotels, we're seeing people being quite cautious and mm. you know, still kind of following some of those patterns that we've seen emerge over the last 18 months. So I think we're in that really difficult time now where no one's quite sure what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Everyone becomes a little bit judgmental and, and we just need to crack on our own way a little bit, don't we? Yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it? You're either one thing or another. There cannot be anything in between. That's that's basically the 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 the, the way that the world seems to debate stuff now. Y- yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um becoming a little more polarized every day, isn't it? Yeah, but uh, anyway, Lee. Um, as you say, let's park the COVID stuff. That's been done to death. So I shouldn't probably say that. That's terrible. Um, but so I shouldn't uh, laugh either, actually. No, <laughs> indeed, we're, we're both going straight to hell. Yeah. But anyway, no. I mean, I obviously said at the uh, the the top of the show that you are the group ops director at at the Pig. You um, you didn't walk into that role. There was um, a lot probably went on beforehand. So maybe you could take us all the way back and just give us a a kind of insight into how did you get into hospitality in the first place. Uh, I was quite literally born into it really right so yeah my my parents had hotels and restaurants uh, in bath and they had uh, they had met at bristol university and ended up working for two kind of legendary people in that area at the time so there was a guy called george perry smith who ran a very famous restaurant called the hole in the wall okay and there was a, a hotel called thornbury castle run by a gentleman called kenneth bell uh, and they were the sort of iconic chefs of their time. So my parents ended up working for them and then went into business with one of them, with Kenneth. Right. And so, yeah, I was, uh, I think my mum was working the night before I was born. And then, you know, in our industry, particularly in a family owned business, you don't sort of have a huge amount of time off or maternity leave or anything like that. So, yeah, um, yeah I mean, my, my cot was in the ladies' loo at the first restaurant and I used to just... <laughs> sort of waitress would come in and check on me occasionally and so yeah I, I i literally grew up in the industry and you literally did i literally did yeah like in the toilets you grew up in the toilets <laughs> well i graduated from there eventually <laughs> and like anyone who grows up in any industry it gives you um it's not really an insight it's just it's part of your makeup and you you're lucky enough to understand things that other people have to take time to learn so yeah, uh, you know my time. You know, when I get home from school, you just go and sit on the you know side in the kitchen, and the chefs are working, and you, you kind of absorb that uh, that energy. So I was very lucky to grow up in the industry, but never sort of had any idea of pursuing it. So I went to actually the first job I had was I at eighteen. I went up to London, and I mean it's, it's quite reckless now. My children are coming up for eighteen, or one of them now. Right, and the thought of sending them off on their own to London absolutely terrifies me i don't don't know what they'd get up to but anyway i was i worked at a place called the chicago rib shack which was a a really kind of cool restaurant of its time owned by an amazing entrepreneur called bob payton and he had the chicago rib shack the chicago pizza pie factory Um, so anyway i managed to get a job there loved it worked there for 18 uh, for six months behind the bar and it was just yeah it was just it was so much fun and challenging and exciting and i think we might get onto this later, but you know, talking about how we keep people in our industry and and you know the reputation that our industry has got, I, I'm just sick and tired of talking about the bad reputation our industry has. I, there are elements that are bad, I'm sure, you know, yeah, probably like any industry, but there are so many places that do cool stuff, 
and it's just it's a cool fun industry to be involved in and we don't talk about it enough um yeah that, well here here that's exactly why you and i are having this talk just now yeah, um, yeah. Is that you know there are there it's it's just it's regrettable. This is just the way of the world. This kind of comes back to the you know just the way things are, like the polarization of debate, etc., yeah. uh, etc. Et but you know it it's it's only ever the stuff that people are doing badly that gets the airtime in the press. Yeah. You know, so we've got to take control. Oh God, sounded like Boris. Um, <laughs> we've got to, as an industry, we have to take control of the message of. Yeah. You know, yeah, of course, as per any sector, there are always people who do things badly. Let's not give them any airtime. Let's not give them any uh, air out of our lungs, you know, or or at least if we are, let's let's shoot them down. Let's make sure that they're being lambasted for doing things badly. Yeah, I mean, there's a sort of um, slightly amata feel, isn't there, of, you know, closed shop, like we're not going to stitch anyone up because they're really well known. And I, and I kind of get that, you know, like, I'm, I'm not out here to stitch someone up but at the yeah. same time if someone's doing something you know really badly wrong for our industry then they should be called out on it you know there's a yeah. a load of people complaining they can't get any staff that don't necessarily have the best reputation anyway mm. so so where do i get to oh yeah so so um no intention of going to to work in the industry i was temping in london because i went to uni in london and i wasn't really kind of nothing had hooked me Right. And so I said to my parents, like, I, I think I'm going to give the hospitality thing a crack. And, and they were so against it. Really? Um, yeah, they sold their hotel about two years prior. Like, you know, there was never any kind of discussion of, uh, you know, kind of the family business, because I think they thought I just completely wasn't interested. Anyway, I turned around yeah. and said, let's, let's I can have a go at this. Where should I interview? And being from a, full, a small sort of family-run business, my dad suggested uh, two uh, I suppose not. I was going to say similar, but not similar. But um, but also smaller businesses that were family run, or you know, there was an owner operator. Yeah. So so one was the Goring. He said this is the you know preeminent place in London. You know, it's fabulous, etc. And yeah. there's this other place down in Winchester, and it's this guy. He's doing things. You know, it feels a little bit untraditional, but you know, everyone's talking about it, and it's called the Hotel Divan. So I went for an interview at the Goring, and uh, you know. The staff there were still wearing like you know uh, coat, you know tails, top yeah. hat and tails almost. And I thought, oh, yeah, yeah, Christ, I think they is... do still do that today. Well, I was there. I was luckily enough. I was there a couple of weeks ago. I didn't see anyone wearing. It. I was looking out for. It. Oh, okay. Trying, yeah, yeah. But no, I know. Yes, but it has that reputation, doesn't it? Hmm. So I was um, interviewed there, and then I went down to Hotel Divan, and the general manager met me, and probably because Robin you know was familiar with my parents but I was just welcomed straight away you know the, yeah. the general manager came he sat me down we had a chat and boom I was working there I don't know three or four weeks later and we were beasted like it was it was uh in a great but in a great way you know I know everyone talks about the hours and so on and so on but you know you'd work 80 hours a week I probably shouldn't say that but anyway this is a long time ago I was paid yeah, yeah. nine paid nine thousand pounds a year and I loved it. I loved every single bit of it. And all my friends were up in London working in the city and so on. And and I couldn't, I still couldn't have been happier. Yeah. I think that's the thing though, isn't it? I mean, look, you know, if you ever want to get ahead in whatever you're doing, sorry to tell you, but you're going to have to work hard to get there. You cannot get there on luck and just waiting for something to happen. So that probably means that you've got to kind of put yourself out there a little bit. 
in terms of the, the, the hours that you keep in terms of making your work done. And I'm not suggesting for a second, as you say, that, that doing 80 hours a week is right and it's definitely not sustainable. But if you're doing something that you really, really love, then those 80 hours don't feel like you're working. Yeah. They feel like you're exactly where you're supposed to be. Yeah, and, 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 and I'm sure looking back on it, you know, you forget actually that, no, you were bloody knackered. You know, you were yeah. thinking, Christ, I can't do this again. But anyway, yeah. it was it was great fun. It was great fun. And then um, I still had a bit of an urge to travel a bit and I, or, or just to do something different. And um, I called a guy who used to work for my parents who ran a hotel in the States. And I asked him how I could work in the States. What did it require? He said, well, if you get if you can't work for me, I'll get you a visa. So I was like, oh, great. OK, so I, I went to Is Robert. that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was in those days. Yeah. And right. um, I think it still is, actually. So I went to Robin and I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to move on. And I was, I was expecting him to say, no, 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 you've, you must stay. And he, he sort of said, no, 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 go. It'll be good for you. Spread your wings. And I thought, oh, shit. Oh, I'm sorry. I can't, I'm probably not supposed to swear. No, no, you're right. You're right. Cut that bit out. Um, That's fine. I can, I'll, just mar- I'll just tick a box on <laughs> Apple that says explicit and then we're covered. All right. It's fine. So now I can really let loose, can I? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, just to, to go for it. Be yourself. <laughs> you don't hear that um so so yeah robin really encouraged me to go and it's a it's a life lesson i've that i've remembered is that you know we employ young people and we can't hold on to them forever we need to give them everything that they can have with us and and set them up and i i I would encourage people to move on and he's you know he said keep in touch anyway so then i went to the states I went to North Carolina. I didn't. I looked, had to see where North Carolina was on the map on the back of the aeroplane seat. <laughs> I arrived there, and it's this Relais Chateau property, five star, just outside a place called Chapel Hill in North Carolina. And it was, it was nothing that I'd ever ever worked in before. But there were a small group because this guy, the general manager, works in England. There was a small group of Brits there, and we just had the best time. <laughs> right. I think I've been lucky enough. At, a few points in my career to have worked in places where there's just a really nice group of people. And I'm not sure that it's necessarily luck. It's because of the type of business you work for, the type of people they employ. But I think there's also an element of it's just the right people at the right time. Yeah. And they're still, you know, how long ago is that now? Uh, it's 21 years ago, still best friends, you know, still we, we get on so well, but the yeah. beauty of it in, a, in America is that, you know, they love the English. Yeah, and the accent so it was just easy peasy you know he's yeah well i can tell you that uh, having a scottish accent takes that to a whole different level yeah yeah absolutely (laughs) i'm sure it does yeah yeah the um yeah i I, like you i did a i I did that quite young i at university in my second year i went and did a student exchange over to uh, a little place in new jersey called lavalette okay and worked directly for the owner of a, a, a local entrepreneur. He had a, a couple of restaurants, uh, a couple of motels, uh, and I was just a general dog's body, and I absolutely loved it. Worked <laughs> myself to the bone, but learned so much from just you know six months of graft and and the like. But it, it the what that does for you, I don't think you can ever put a kind of price on or. You can't really quantify what an experience like that does for you as a human being. Oh, a hundred percent. And I was, we were just discussing it recently, actually, because I, I, you know, I'm not going to say kind of in my day, but it seems that <laughs> that in my day, yeah. <laughs> you know, people, you'd go and travel, right? And I, I always used to say to people, our, the brilliant thing about our industry is that if you can get a visa there, you can work anywhere in the world. 
Yeah. Just pick, pick some, pick, you want to go and work in the Maldives? I don't know if you can go and work in the Maldives, but pick someone that's beautiful, amazing, that you want to go and see, and then just apply to a hotel there, apply to a restaurant there. And it's yeah. just so easy. And yet so few people kind of take that option. And yeah, I, I have to say, actually, I'm sure the, the um, general manager who was there at the time won't hear this anyway, but um, it was just a really easy job. <laughs> Right. We do have a, a listenership in the US. So, uh... <laughs> okay. Well, Richard at, um, at the hotel will um, hopefully not here anyway. But um, <laughs> it because of its sort of five star nature, and it was quite kind of laid back. So we all had every Monday off in the restaurant, and I think from memory it was like every Sunday night. So and and it would you know it's sort of regional US. So everyone was in bed by ten o'clock. So afterwards. Right. Every night was out to the bars, you know, people were in apartment complexes with pools, you know, it was just, it was just perfect. We had a great, yeah. great time. Anyway, then um, I was fortunate enough to meet my wife there, who is American. Right. And um, we decided that we wanted to go and work in California. Well, actually, no, what we did, again, we just got that, there used to be a book, a Relais Chateau book, and it had all of the hotels in the world in. And you would just go through and be like, oh, that looks nice. Where's that? Let's go and work there. Yeah, I even think they used to put like the the email address of the general manager in it. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, it's good good recruitment tool. Yeah, yeah, that's, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm I don't do that, that anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you write that down. So I was lucky enough to get a job at a place called the Auberge de Soleil, which is a beautiful Relais Chateau property in um in the top of the Napa Valley. Mm. Not quite the top of the Napa Valley in um uh, Saint Helena. You know, in terms of recruitment, again, so this was for like an assistant restaurant manager position. Right. They, f- they flew us out from North Carolina to, to Napa. Wow. Junior suite for two nights, interviewed, eating in the restaurant. I mean, they really kind of went to town. And we always encourage our teams internally to make sure that whether you're going to offer someone a job or not, that you treat every person that responds to an advert as though you want to employ them, you know, and you, and you kind yeah. of roll out the carpet. but it, it makes me realize that we could all do so much more, you know, and, and we're all guilty of it. And I'd hold my hand up and say that, but you know, if, if they can fly someone out out there, why can't we make sure that we're on time for an interview? You know, the number of times that you hear about, Oh, the person who's interviewing me was late. Yeah. Or, you know, and it's just little things like that. I think. And, yeah. I, and do you know, the funny thing about this is that I've had uh, a couple of conversations very recently about the very same thing. Like this is, and probably this has just been brought back into the the front of people's minds because of the the fact that we find ourselves in a a situation whereby we're, you know, it's it's a struggle to find people. So you, what you have to do in moments like that is really knuckle down on the detail and make sure that you're doing every single possible thing that you can control, you know, as well as you can do. And actually, that's that simple thing of making somebody feel like they belong there. Yeah. Before they've even, you know, taken a job with you, whether they get the job or not, that power that that has in terms of what that does for your brand perception with that individual, they're going to go and say, oh, do you know what? I'm gutted. I didn't get that job. Yes. They're going to tell all their mates and their mates are going to go, oh, maybe I want to go and work there. Yeah. No, I, could, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. It's such a simple concept. And you're right. You know, there's there's so many people pay lip service to it. Absolutely. And I... I and also, I think, you know, and again, I think everyone always needs to look to improve. 
and you know, and I think we're reasonably good at it. Could we be excellent? Yes, we could. How could we do that? We could make sure that we really train all of our people that are interviewing properly. We revisit it. We give them the tools to make sure that the people coming for interview feel special. You know, all of these types of things. And you know, even sitting here now talking about it, I'm thinking to myself, oh, right, actually, that really is something that we could do better. Right. Um, yeah. Well, that's cool. I'm, I'm uh, basically a business consultant podcast now as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we packed up our van. We had two cats and a dog. We were all ready to go. Right. And they called the um, – we drove across America in a U-Haul van, three days straight across. Right. But they called but just before. Cool <laughs> in itself. Well, it's, you know, it's cool if you're in some sort of nice vehicle and spend three weeks going across it. We were in like a U-Haul van smashing out 12 hours a day and sleeping in a Motel right. 8. You know, it's no, right. certainly not the romantic picture you have in your mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they called the day about a week before we're supposed to go. And they said, oh, your paperwork is not through. So you can still have the job, but it's going to pay you half the amount because you can't be a manager on a visa that you're on. Right. And I was like, uh, no, thanks. In yeah, hindsight, it'd be nice to have known that before. <laughs> yeah, well, in hindsight, I think they just realised they made a mistake and didn't want me, and it was just a kind of way of getting out of it. But anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> so, um, so we we still had a flat, and we had you know we were all set up ready to go. So we just cracked on and went out there. Mm. And my wife had a job at another amazing hotel in the area called Meadowood, and I had got my relay book out again, and there was a restaurant there that people were talking about. And I went and knocked on the door and I said, have you got any jobs? And they said, yeah, the students have just left so you can come and do some part-time work. And I said, well, you know, I've sort of done this a bit before and, you know, I'd really like to work full-time. And they were like, oh, okay, let's see how it goes. And um, it was a restaurant called The French Laundry. And um, it was, I mean, I didn't really know about it then. And it was just the most incredible experience. You know, uh, when are we what uh not to give your age away or anything like that but what kind of what <laughs> roughly what time frame are we in i was there from early 2001 till beginning of 2004 right okay it won best restaurant in the world 2002 2003 right certainly nothing to do with me but um rubbish i've got the t-shirts to prove it yeah you played your part you've definitely played <laughs> yeah. Your part. yeah carried a few All team members play the part but in terms of, and again, it's like um, it's a really uh, important lesson for me that I try and pass on to people when you're talking to them. You know, nowadays everyone's so immediate, aren't they? You know, I've worked for a, a week as a waiter. I want to be a supervisor. I've done supervisory stuff now for two weeks. I think I should be the manager. And you're like, hang yeah. on, you're 21. You only arrived yesterday. You know, it's it's quite disrespectful to the career waiter who. 20 years ago would have been a career waiter that you think you can do this job in three weeks. Yeah. But all that aside, I, my job was, as as I started, there was a runner. And that meant that you were across the pass from Thomas and Thomas Keller, who's the chef owner. Yeah. Um, And you learned to treat everything to the highest level as he did. But you also saw the food. You also saw how it was put together. You saw the care and attention that was taken. And I was there at a time where, I I mean, I think Thomas before had a bit of a reputation as a bit of a tyrant, but, you know, certainly when I was there, I, I never saw anything. And I think, you know, he kind of settled down a bit. But he was, he was a very considerate and kind individual. And that right. rubbed off on the rest of the team. You know, there was no, there were no egos there. There was yeah. no one bitching and moaning. Who'd have thought, eh, that, uh, that the uh, that people kind of respond to the type of leadership that's being passed on to them? It's a crazy um, thought, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, God. 
Um, but it was it was it was really inspirational. You know, like everyone wanted to do it better, and it was. I describe it like like trying to sort of roll a really big boulder. Like once you've got that big boulder going, it's great. It just keeps on rolling. And anyone that gets in its way, it kind of squashes or spits out the side. So occasionally you'd get a new member of staff that would come in and they, you know, they, they didn't fit the mould in terms of they thought they were too good or they didn't care. And they just, not not through anyone being nasty, but they just didn't kind of last. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just, again, it was a great, great place to work. Great time. And yeah, it just such a nice, I mean, Laura Cunningham, who was the GM there, is just the nicest person, you know, always looked out for everyone, was brilliant at what she did, and still does, you know, they all still do it. Um, yeah. And, you know, even when it was uh, probably about 13 years, 12 or 13 years after I'd left, there was the pop-up, um, and the French Laundry did a pop-up at Harrods. Yeah I, yeah, I remember. I didn't get a seat, but I, uh, I do remember it. Wow. So... If only I'd known you then, Phil, I could have sorted you out, I think. So yeah, I, yeah. So, <laughs> well, there we go. I, next um, time. Next yeah, time. yeah, next time, yeah. My um, boss at the time says, oh, if you can get us a table for two, I'll take you. So I was like, okay, well. Um, so I, I got in contact with someone that used to work there, and she was like, yeah, of course you can have a table for two. And I was like, wow, wow, that's incredible. So I yeah. went back to my boss, and I said to him, I'm really sorry, but if I don't take my wife to do this, <laughs> I am – up for a divorce so <laughs> you have the tickets have a great time but you know i can't go and he said well i'll tell you what if you get you take the tickets and if you can get another two you know i'll pay for it all anyway oh, so i got back nice. in touch yeah yeah really nice <laughs> another another nice employer so uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so i got got back in touch with them and um i said you know and this is going to sound ridiculous but i don't suppose you could um it's not another table two they're like yeah no problem at all so anyway my wife and I went along and I remember at the time there was, you know, I don't know, there's probably like 10 tables and we walked up there and the GM who I used to work with at, he was a runner with me at, um, in California. He was there. They met us at the bar, few glasses of fizz beforehand, taken into the dining room. And, you know, there were a kind of, what should I, how shall I describe it? There was a mixed bag of people in there from a couple of very well-known restaurateurs that I knew to uh, a couple of uh, sort of city boys with, dubious looking partners yep. with them and say no more. Yep. and anyway we were shown to this probably the best table in the room and then thomas came out of the kitchen and sat down and chatted for about 15 minutes and you could see everyone like really you know we were still quite young and um i think no one could kind of quite work out why anyway we had a wonderful lunch the food just kept coming you kept coming kept coming kept coming all the wine it was lunchtime and i was like we just have a couple of glasses of wine because you know we've got to travel back yeah and Honestly, they just didn't stop bringing a wine with every course. And at the end of the meal, they told us that all of the wine, I mean, it was hundreds of pounds worth. Not that I drank that much. It was very good quality wine in small amounts. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. Was, Whatever. Was all, I, I believe you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> was um, was uh, all on the house. You know, and oh. I, I had worked there for 12 years. I left as, I was the maitre d' when I was there. Uh, so, you know, I'm not, I'm in no way a kind of big part of that jigsaw. And in fact, I'm a tiny, tiny part of that jigsaw. There's loads of people that have worked at the laundry, but it's just that that generosity, That's and it goes on and hospitality, on. isn't it? Yeah, the, 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 yeah. The, it's kind of timeless. It is, and you know what? We all talk about being brilliant at hospitality for the guests. You know, what more can we do? What more can we do? And, and sometimes we overlook our our teams. I, I think we're very good at it actually, at the pigs. But um, I think sometimes we kind of overlook those that. We should do it most of all. Mm. Anyway, so the fabulous time there. Then we decided to come back to the UK and 
I was interviewing at the Four Seasons, the new one in Hampshire. And at the same time, Robin was just kind of keeping me warm. Uh, you know, let's meet for a coffee. I hear you back in town. And I ended up going back to Hotel Divan instead of instead of the Four Seasons. It right. felt a more natural fit for me. Yeah. And well, that's half the battle, isn't it? About, um, you know, actually finding what sings to you rather than... I mean, you've yeah. got to go out and try. Of course, you've got to go out and try the, the, the different brands. But actually, when you feel like you've found your home, then then why consider anything else? Yeah, absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more. And, I, you know, like, you knew what you were getting with Robin. You know, it's a successful brand. It was, it was, you know, it was interesting. You knew that you... So you have this balance, right, of... of I could be a hotel director at the Four Seasons when I'm, like, 55 or 60... And it'll be yeah. a wonderful job and it'll be a great journey and you'll learn a huge amount, but you're in it kind of for the long game and you'll never meet any of the kind of main team, uh, you know, sorry, of this kind of decision makers, the board level or that kind of yeah. stuff. Or you can go back and you're not going to get a lot of the things that you would have got at the Four Seasons, but you will get to sit down and have a lunch with Robin and he'll help you with your career or you'll see things much earlier than you might have seen them before. Mm. Anyway, six months later, he called me and someone else in and said, I've just sold the business. And I was like, oh, bloody hell. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I've gone to four yeah. seasons. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They'd offered to throw, fly us back out to the States, actually, to, to do our right. trading at home. Anyway, so um, I stayed on and opened two or three hotels for them. I moved to Tunbridge Wells, then I did open the Cheltenham. And, you know, the, the company was – I'm not going to diss the company because I think, actually, the transition was, was quite good, but it was – um. We were just expanding rapidly, and it was just time for a change for me. Yeah. And um, an ops role came up in Oxford because that was—I felt I was kind of ready for an ops role. And you always feel you're ready; you're never quite ready, are you? Because otherwise, you wouldn't be going for that job. Yeah. And I had a great time. I ran three hotels in Oxford. Sorry, uh, two hotels and three restaurants in Oxford for Jeremy Mockford, which was—you know—it was a great time. A really, you know, a very sort of in a small town, a, a great variety of businesses from a mm. thousand-seater restaurant. Well, sorry, a thousand cover restaurant, you know, they do in a day um, yeah. to yeah. a really smart hotel and a really great restaurant up the road. So um, and then I just then I decided that um, we should move back to to family. And it was one set of grandparents. So we were either going to go to the States again um, to my wife's family or to back to Bath. Yeah. And um, so we decided to go to Bath and I found yeah. a hotel. Yeah. I know. It was not me. I wanted to go. We were going to go to Charleston. <laughs> My wife wanted to live in the, uh, in the UK. I couldn't, mm. couldn't bloody believe it. Grass is always greener, though, isn't yeah. it? That's, uh, that's yeah, the yeah. thing. Yeah. Certainly when it's cold and rainy here. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> definitely greener. Yeah. So I got this business plan together for this hotel that I'd found. And I'd always, from a young age, had always harbored interest of doing something myself. But never okay. had quite the balls, really, to, to do it. And I think I think a true entrepreneur, you've got to feel it in your bones. You've really, you know, it's all, it's all very well sort of saying, I want to do it. But, you know, I have a great respect for anyone that properly puts their money where their mouth is. Yeah. So anyway, I was, I was up for this now. And um, I did this business plan. I sent it to Robin. And um, it was a lot of money. It was, it was like three million quid or something, this hotel. I haven't got, I haven't got a penny. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So I, I said... Well that can't be a bit of ambition yeah absolutely a blind <laughs> ambition so i i gave it i gave the um i sent the business plan to robin said could you just have a look at it and tell me what you think and he wrote back he's like yeah i think it's good but i think you know my experience is that 
your buy-in price for a property probably needs to double. So I think you're probably looking at about five to six million for this. Right. I was like, right, okay, well, you know, in for a penny, in for a pound. And, Do you um, know anyone? <laughs> <laughs> well, so I said to him, I don't suppose you'd like to invest. He said, no, I've got this place called The Pig and I'm, you know, I'm, when I'm in something, I'm focused on it. And you know, from yeah. the outside, we all saw what The Pig was doing. So by that point, it had been open like two years and I'd been there and I'd been to try it out. But, you know, I knew who the hotel director that was there. I knew they weren't moving anywhere. I knew there wasn't any kind of other options. Mm. So I was like, all right, okay. So I left the meeting with Robin and I thought, Christ, what am I going to do? Because I don't know where to get six million quid. And Robin called back the next day. I was like, oh, hello. He said to me, I'm, I'm, I'm not phoning you for any sort of investment in your business. <laughs> but um, I couldn't tell you at the time, but we were just literally signing on a hotel in Bath. And uh, would you like to come on board and be the um, hotel director for that? And right. so I had this kind of like serendipitous moment where we'd taken the decision to move back to Bath. We had nothing. I had no job. I had I had three kids. We had you know uh, just sold a house. Like we had nothing. Like literally nothing. Mm. And I feel just incredible being laid on your plate. Yeah. So immediately driving to think about where am I going to get six million quid sort of went to the bottom of the list, and I'll have that job. <laughs> thanks very much. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, and I've been here ever since. And I've been, you know, again, I'm in that situation where there's an amazing group of people that work here. I've worked, and I know that sounds really cheesy, doesn't it? Uh, you're not, you know, you're not going to get on with everyone in a, in, a, in a thousand person business. But the core of the business has always been about the people. Robin's always, you know, that's what he bangs on about every single day. Yeah. And I think that shows in the type of people that work here. And, you know, I, I think within within this sort of senior group, you know, the number of years that they've worked for Robin combined is extraordinary, you know. Yeah, and that it's, kind it's, of tells you everything you need to know, doesn't it? Totally. And it's well into the kind of like hundreds of years. And, you know, we find, you know, people talk a lot about recruitment and retention and so on. And, you know, we spent, we had a sort of, well, our HR director actually brought it up and it was a kind of epiphanous moment where he was like, hang on. Like we're concentrating on these people that are leaving. We know people are going to leave our business. There's all, you are always going to get churn and you're kind of your outer 20%. You know, the kids that come in and they're only ever going to work for a year. Yeah. We're never going to, and we shouldn't be trying to, I was going to say save them, save them some from work. We shouldn't be trying to keep them for longer than they're naturally going to stay for. But what we need to really do is focus on anyone that's, you know, that's done 18 months with us, two years. Then why, why would someone like that leave our business? And that's the question we had to ask ourselves because you know, I know that people say, oh, someone's left their job because of, you know, X. And, you know, we do kind of these exit surveys and ask people, you know, the reason they left and there's always something put down. But if you were really, really, really happy in a job, there are other things that you would change in life before moving your job. Yeah. And so, you know, we focus a lot on that in terms of the retention of those of two years and above. And actually, you know, the number of people here that have been five and 10 years, you know, we give a little anniversary present on five and 10 years and it ends up costing us a fortune each year because in a, you know, in a, in a brilliantly happy way because people have been here so long. So um, anyway, yeah, that was a, a long version of my career. But um, Yeah, <laughs> it's not, wasn't that long. I've had longer. Don't worry. Time, so it's time to wrap up now, is it? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Thanks, yeah, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, you know, the, I think that's, that's absolutely bang on the money. It's what, what I suppose, everybody should really be looking at and this is actually comes back to the point we're talking about when you were working for thomas keller about the fact that he you know he had this kind of serenity that that was passed down to everyone else that was kind of the atmosphere and that's 
you know, you then put yourself into the position that you are now where you're working for Robin, who places such collateral in the people. And who'd have thought that having that kind of focus would get you the reputation whereby people out there would go, oh, I want to go and work there because they care about the people. It's uh, I find it baffling when the, the companies forget that and it just becomes far too focused on pound signs. Yeah, just to go back to something you said, I never described Thomas as serene. Let's You're just right, be clear about that. It wasn't, it wasn't serenity, just, I could tell you. That, that was just my, um, the, the, the dream that I'd <laughs> built about the type of guy that he was, was going to be. And, no, he was. Uh, and no, it, but he was, he was very, very focused. You know, and uh, I think everyone kind of, well, of course, everyone operates in different ways, right? But, you know, I, I really like to be challenged. And yeah. you know, there are times when you'd have to walk out of it at the end of service and you just wanted to, you know, put a dent in the side of your car with your shoe because you were so <laughs> frustrated, probably because you'd done something wrong. Yeah. And it was just that sense of, you know, all wanting to try and achieve the best. And then just going back to the um, the point about, you know, why more employers do not focus on the uh, culture within the company. Mm. I think that, you know, even those that do, and I think we really do, we need to make sure that everyone else is capable of doing it within the business. And, you know, yes, we, we, we all talk about it, but, you know, I know we make mistakes and I know that, you know, that, that there are situations within the business when we don't get it right. And I think rather than just ignore those and say, oh, well, that's, you know, that doesn't happen very often. We almost need to take for granted that the normal thing, the great thing should be done every single day, right? That should, it should, it should be, but in a way it shouldn't even be celebrated because that's just the norm. Yeah, yeah. And we should, we should challenge the times when we don't get it right. And then we should applaud the times that someone does something absolutely brilliant and goes over and above. And we're like, oh, wow, that was because I think what all of the people that I've worked for, and it's because of the nature of the size and type of the business, I suppose. But individuality and creativity is is encouraged. I suspect in like really big property, you know, if you come up with something slightly sort of out of the, you know, off the manual, but then you're slapped down quite quickly. Mm. Whereas here, you know, you'll hear about, I don't know, I, of course, I can't think of an exact example right now, but, you know, where a duty manager or a head of a department somewhere has recognised a member of staff and just, some, just done something brilliant for them, you know, yeah. um, and celebrated it and made them feel special. And all of those things that, that require thinking about, you know, we do need to sort of just stop sometimes and think, I think sometimes the, just about the basics. Yeah. And I think as well, having a, a, uh, an environment where you kind of, you own mistakes, you don't kind of shy away from the fact that, because they're going to be, it's inevitable. It doesn't matter how good your business is. There are going to be errors in the business pretty much on a daily basis. So, it, you know, you might as well just embrace the fact that that's going to happen. Obviously, you'd hope that you get more right than you get wrong. <laughs> that goes without saying. But when the stuff that does go wrong, rather than, creating an atmosphere where people are scared to kind of acknowledge the fact that it happened is just you'll let it all out you know and give people the opportunity to say right well what's the learning that we take from this why you know how do we make sure that 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 this doesn't happen again or if it does you know how do we kind of minimize the impact or or whatever yeah i mean i feel very lucky that i've been in these environments and i was also sort of being trained or whatever it is to to kind of recognize it and again you know i'm not saying that we get it right the whole time but i just can't fathom how and i you're right i know kitchens yeah i know they can be intimidating and difficult places but i can't fathom why anyone 
would stay working in an environment that was just so theoretically awful and yeah. how people can just decide that that's the way they want to behave yeah and as individuals but um hopefully i think we're kind of moving on from that and you know i think we said it earlier you know, yeah in every industry whether it's hospitality or not there's always going to be good guys and bad guys aren't there yeah absolutely I, and i think you know i, I think that the the sector is eminently aware of the the areas where uh, there needs to be some focus and there's there's a lot more being done about all the bad stuff now and, uh, and you know we not that we can ever draw a line in the sand we shouldn't be that naive but you know at the same time as we discussed at the the, the beginning about you know we've just got to give we've got to be able to lambast the people for doing stuff badly but not necessarily hang them out to dry we've got to you know give them the opportunity to to re-educate and uh, and move forward and you know maybe i'm being a, a a naive idealist i don't know but to me that should be the minimum standard yeah but but yes absolutely i suppose there's an element though if you you know if you're addressing that then you're kind of you're focusing on the bad again which is good mm. but mm. which is a good the right thing to do is not good but the other thing that i think we miss an opportunity on is is celebrating what we do so yeah. i was at, um lucky enough to be at the hotelier of the year lunch yesterday so you're mm. i don't know how many people are, um probably around 100 people you know I, I i don't generally know how i got an invite but um <laughs> there were the, the proper great and the good of the business you know like you name yeah. any proper hotel in the uk and the i you know the director or the manager or whoever it was was um representing that property was there i mean you know like all the good hotels you could talk about yeah and so and it, a massive congratulations to daniel by the way who is an ex-guest of the show oh found it. he made the most brilliant speech and in fact i'd love to i'd I'd love it to hear that speech again. It was really, you know, I, I have to say, I, I, I haven't ever worked with him or, or really heard much about him before, but his, he's obviously hugely well regarded. Um, yeah. You know, the people that knew him in the room were telling me what a great guy he was, but his speech was just spot on. You know, it was really, really personable. It's all about people. Um, it was honest. You know, yeah, he just seemed, I, I hope to meet him for, um, uh, you know, like a face-to-face one day. Um, yeah. But within that room, you have, I, I couldn't even, there must be, judging by the age of most of them in there, 10,000 years of combined hospitality <laughs> experience in there. And you know, why Why do all these people stay? Why do all these people yeah. continue to be in our industry? And it's not just them. You know, it, there are supposedly 3 million of us in the industry. Well, I bet a million of those have been in the industry for more than, five, ten years, and some of us are lifers, there has mm. to be a reason why we stayed. It's not because Amazon wasn't around before and we didn't want to go and drive vans for them. It was because we, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, it's because we love what we do and and we don't talk about that enough. I mean, think of all the experiences within the industry that we combined have had brilliant stuff, you know, brilliant, yeah. fun, fun stuff. The stories we tell, the, you know, when I speak to friends who are not in the industry and they're like, their life is so, their work life is so dull. You know, yeah. Sit behind a desk somewhere, looking at another spreadsheet, and you know we've got different people coming through our business every day. We've got famous people. We've got kids that have just got together and come out for their first glass of champagne together, and it, you know, and everyone in between, and everyone's you just got an interest. A, an eighteen-year-old a kid. Yeah, so they that are. Tells they you everything are. you need they to are. do about yeah, your age. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but I've always said the same thing. You know the. I used to love it, but you know, at hotel divan, you'd have, and in those days, people are, you know, having the proper big long lunches. So you'd have all those guys come in drinking their Bordeaux at lunch, and you know, knock mm. back a few 
brandies and then onto some cigars and then back to the office. And then, you know, in the evening, you genuinely might have that, you know, let's call it a 20 year old now then. Okay. So they decided <laughs> that, you know, he's decided or she's decided they really want to impress the other person. And th- where are they going to go? They're going to come to your place because they think that that's the best place in town. And they're going to come in and order a great drink because they want to impress the other person. They want to have it as a momentous point in their life. And yeah. they will remember that for all the time. And how special is that? that person has chosen to come and i think you know again all the like weird and wonderful and fun stories that we've all experienced that you just don't get in another industry all the places you get to travel to or the food and wine you get to drink you know and yeah you never hear about any of that <laughs> yeah i know because the the um that's everything that we've talked about 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 the fact that that's that's kind of everyday life for hospitality businesses you know is yeah. is is creating these wonderful experiences for people. And so it just get it, it kind of gets diluted regrettably because that's the norm. That's the, 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 the things that we should be doing well and are doing well. So why talk about it? That's, you know, that's the, the mentality. And I'll tell you why we should talk about it because there is absolutely nothing more honorable than to create experiences that make people feel special. You know, it's just such a wonderful thing to be able to do. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, we do this all the time. Yeah. It's, 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 it's really, I mean, I've heard Robin say this before, but, you know, there is definitely a kind of middle upper class view of our working in our industry. You know, it's, mm. it's sort of frowned upon. And, yeah. and it's just, it's so sad. You know, there's so many, there's so many great opportunities. And, you know, the youngsters we see coming through now, I mean, we have now, I think it's getting on for 60 apprentices and, and they're bloody brilliant. You know, they are, they're, they're responsible, they work hard, they're good fun. They, you yeah. know, all of these things that we give all the kids a hard time for. Yeah. And again, it's our industry. You know, we sit there being like, oh, well, you know, no one works as hard as we did when we were young. And, uh, you know, these kids know English people want to work. And and I question that. You know, I, yes, I recognize that that is out there. 100% there are people that should be wanting to work that don't want to work. Mm. But equally, there's loads of good people in all of our businesses yeah. um, that are doing really, really well. And so instead of coming out and saying, oh, so it's people that don't want to work, we can't find anyone. We should be saying, we've got these brilliant kids in our business. You know, you could do the same type thing. Yeah, um, yeah. Absolutely. So I think it's sort of sometimes it's self-perpetuating, isn't it? Yeah, and and absolutely, and we definitely should not be wearing the fact that we worked our backsides off for eighty hours a week as a badge of honour. We were the stupid ones that did it without questioning it, frankly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and society's changed, hasn't it? You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of no longer acceptable and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, but yes, we shouldn't celebrate it. You know. But um, it's made us. It's made us kind of who we all are, hasn't it? You know. Yeah. Um, and I, and we have to. We have to. We have to evolve. So you know, we have to be like, yes, that was all the cool stuff, and this is the bad stuff. So let's get rid of the bad stuff and let's put some more cool stuff on there. And yeah. you know, hopefully, in a hundred years' time, we've got you know a much better kind of picture. Ten years' time. Ten. Let's, yeah. let's go back to being well, blindly ambitious. Yeah. Well, no, I just meant that, like, you know, we're probably much better employers and, and human beings than we were a thousand years ago. I don't know. Maybe we're not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. I, actually, one of the th- things that I love the most about your, your journey and your story is actually Robin's part in this in terms of letting you fly early on. Because actually what he then inherited was somebody who's gained not just kind of more 
skill and more capability from a hospitality perspective, but more life experience. And, you know, it's probably a, a much better human being than the, the original version of Tom. Uh, I might be being presumptuous, but, you know, these are kind of <laughs> the things that happen as you develop yourself through through your life. So, you know, he's reaped the benefit of actually letting you, you know, find your wings and, and go. Yeah, our industry by nature, you're kind of having to talk to a lot of people. And if you, the benefit of having broadened your horizons and traveled or, or mixed with other people or whatever it might be, is that you have more points of reference when you are then talking to someone. So, you know, on the floor in a, in a business, you know, you're going to have to speak to a huge variety of people. And it's, it's challenging if you don't have, if you struggle to find common interests in a conversation, otherwise it becomes very transactional, doesn't it? You know, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Can I show you to your table or something like that? Whereas, you know, if you can build a conversation with people, then it, it, it's so much more natural. And I and I do think that, um, and, and that's not just from a kind of work and skills perspective. That's just as a general, you know, a general kind of um, getting out there and experiencing different things. But mm. also with, as a skills thing, you know, if, if you can have done a bit of five star, if you can have done a bit of volume, if you can have done a bit of rooms, you know, of course, you become a much better, much more well-rounded individual. So yeah, no, I was hugely, hugely thankful for him. I mean, uh, I was, again, slightly bitter that he didn't beg me to stay. But uh, <laughs> uh, he would do that now. I'm sure he would do that now. <laughs> He's pretend we'd get lost again. Yeah, yeah. Like... yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, you mentioned in there about one of the things that's great about this industry is around kind of the stories and things like that that happen. Have you got any funny stories that you can share with us? <laughs> Probably the funnier ones are the ones that I shouldn't share, but there's kind of... Yeah, um... that's always the way. Always yeah. the way. Another yeah. reason to come into hospitality, actually, because you'll never hear about the really good stuff unless yeah. you're having a pint with somebody that, that that happens to work. You definitely won't be airing it on in public. Yeah, I mean, there's always... You know, the guests are always guests sort of treat hotels as though they're this sort of completely, um, you know, as though we're sort of not there sometimes. You know, it's a place yeah, yeah. to properly misbehave um, and be, you know, completely um, uh, okay with it. So, yeah. uh, what have we had? We had someone who drank too much and he, end, he ended up getting locked out of his room looking for the loo, I think, and peed in the corridor. And nice. we, so yeah, and so we, so we, it was a company too. And so, we didn't say anything, but just whacked a 250 quid charge in his bill for cleaning the carpet. Right. And then sent it into the office. And they called up and said, what's this, two, you know, really kind of laying into us. What's this 250 pound bill for? This is outrageous. We said, well, actually, it's, um, it's for cleaning. Like, That's yeah. uh, unacceptable. So, we can send you the CCTV. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they paid up quite quickly. Um, <laughs> we had... Uh, Did you find out that was the CEO? <laughs> yeah, yeah. One I, I've always learned from is that we were always told when someone leaves something in a room, you never, ever send it out. You always wait for them to call up. And I was like, I don't understand. Surely if someone leaves something in a room, you send it out because that's the more efficient and the best service. And they said, like, well, we did it once. And um, uh, this lady had left a pair of kind of red boots, like sort of thigh-high boots in a, in a room. And right. so you know, we were we bundled them up and we sent them off. And um, a couple of days later, we got a call from this lady, and she said, um, "Thank you very much for sending the boots, but uh, they're not mine." And her husband had been staying with someone else, so uh, uh, oh. learn <laughs> not to do that. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, that sort of thing's relatively normal, I think. Well, not normal, but you know, sort of guests are terribly behaved. Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I, the the secret is you know, discretion, isn't it? I and mean, that's why people come to hotels. Totally, is to is for privacy and kind of. It is one of those things. Whatever they get up to behind closed doors, obviously within reason. Yeah, you know that's away from their house. They're kind of they turn into different people. Don't completely, they? completely. You can't. You know, it's not our job to judge someone, is it? And their kind of no. personal circumstances. And when Absolutely. I was at the hotel in Brighton, we had um, a really small car parking space. Like we had to get nine cars in there, and it was always complete carnage because you could never, you could never stack the cars anywhere waiting to get in. So we used to have a bag of keys and. You just have to go and move five cars to get one car out. And someone famously managed to put someone else's keys in the boot of another car that then got driven off. So we had that. Uh, someone wrecked a... We used to be slightly naughty and park... When we were full in our car park, we'd park it around the corner in another car park. Right. And um, the porter was bringing the car out. And it was a... I think it was a two-day-old Ferrari. And um, he just gunned it a little too hard but he did it on um on like a drain cover you know so they're a bit slicker than a road right and he lost control of the car and put it through the railings on brighton seafront oh. <laughs> had to come back and say to the guy i'm sorry but your car's ruined that um actually is probably the right there is the most stressful job that exists in the world is being a because like, like the principle of oh yeah you get to park some really cool cars but Jeez, I'd be stressed that I was going to do exactly that. Mm, the most stressful part. Somewhere. No, the most stressful job is being the person that's got to go and tell the, dry, the yeah, owner that put their car through a That is not a happy experience. No. Um, so, yeah, like, I don't know. I mean, you know, you have all of those things, but that's the sort of variety that makes the job fun, isn't it? You know, it's, yeah. Um, and, and the fact that you could do this job until the, the end of your time and you'd still be dealing with original situations. Completely. And stuff that shock, you know, I know people say that stuff doesn't shock you anymore, but I don't believe that in our industry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe uh, desensitized to some extent. Yeah, yeah. No, that's cool. You, you, you've you given us a, a few there. So I, I salute I've got you. More. I've got more, but I, I, I'll, um, I'll stop with that one. Yeah. And uh, well, I I'm, haven't got in, anyone into trouble and I'm not in trouble. So um, yeah, indeed. Okay. Absolutely, and uh, we'll just talk about the, the the real stories over a pint sometime. That's what we'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll do. No, that's cool. Um, before I let you go, uh, just sort of thought it'd be interesting to find out what's what's the future got in store for you. What's the the next year looking like? Cool. I uh, I think the next year for us will be it's a kind of it's it's a consolidation period for us, and you know, touch wood, nothing else kind of major in terms of the business stopping but it's you know everything every day is new now isn't it in terms of you don't know what's around the corner and yeah you know, our industry is very very different from from one business to the next and you know we are referred to as the hospitality industry but you know that's a, a very broad range of businesses so you know talking to some of these guys in london yesterday they are all the hotels are capping occupancy because they can't service the room so yeah you know and that's that's kind of a major, major revenue issue, but you just—I you don't, don't see that changing. You know, where mm. where are you suddenly going to get five thousand housekeepers from for London? Like, it's, yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. the business plan for London for for I don't know what two three years is going to be sixty percent occupancy. For us, we've been very very lucky in terms of our locations have meant that 
um, you know, we've been desirable places to come to. Uh, You know, we we have a very kind of active and interactive following from our guests. So, you know, we're able to engage them quite quickly and get them out to the hotels and so on. So we've been very, very lucky. I think the coming year will be quite a lot of what's going to happen next month. And let's not try and be too overambitious. And let's do what we do. Robin has the phrase, stick to your knitting. Um, we're going to stick to our knitting and we're not going to do anything crazy. And uh, we're going to make sure that every day we don't try and thrash the business, that we do the basic things well. And it's too easy to overlook that. You know, we've got new staff coming in. We always have new staff coming in. And we need to remember that the basics are the foundation of our business. There are there are a thousand things that happen in a restaurant every single day that make sure that a service goes smoothly. and they're all very, very simple things in their own right. You know, you don't need to be a brain surgeon to work them out, but you do yeah. need to have experience in a good system in order to make sure that all those thousand things happen. And we started calling it the um, the monotony of excellence and the repetition required to ensure that everything is done properly. And it's it can be boring because, you know, oh, for the 50th day in a row, I've got to make sure that X, Y, and Z happens. But it's only yeah. because that happens that we are successful at the end of the day. So, you know, we've got... Uh, We've got our festivals back on this year, which will be good fun. So our Smoked Run Cup Festival. So that's uh, two of them are 5,000 and one of them is 3,000, I think. So, Brilliant. yeah, I mean, that kind of takes out of our comfort zone a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, do, just continuing to do what we do and enjoy it, I think, would be our, our kind of mantra. This. Yeah. I, well, I, I think it is one of those things, isn't it? Like One, it's just nice to be kind of back doing what you do. Two, you've kind of got to... Just keep a, a tiny little eye on what's going on, you know, without getting too carried away. Just, just in case. I mean, I, you know, all the noises for me sound like we're we, hopefully should be able to make it through winter without any regression. But there's just this cautious optimism, isn't it? That's kind of the the buzzwords. I can only speak for ourselves, and and I would say, yeah, absolutely. You know, we're nice and busy. It looks like it's going to be that way next year in the coming months, and and we can't certainly can't predict, you know either micro or macro things that happen mm. uh, that might affect that might affect it. But, you know, I equally know that there are some people out there, I'm sure, I'm certain there are people out there that are finding it really, really tough at the moment. You know, things aren't yeah. back to normal. There isn't any bloody optimism because they're in a place or, or a type of business that, that they, it hasn't bounced back yet. And um, so, you know, I, I, I sort of, I, I feel for, for people in that position because, you know, it, it's bloody brutal and, you know, yeah. We're very, very lucky that we've got a big size team where we've got lots of people to rely on and, 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 and support and you know different kind of functions around HR and accounts and all of these guys that do brilliant stuff in the background. Whereas a sort of smaller company, they haven't got HR, you know, they haven't got anyone to go out and find them five minutes of staff tomorrow because they're too busy trying to service the restaurant themselves to make a bit of money to pay back all the money that they've lost. So, yeah. you know, it's um, I have no doubt that the next year will be challenging for all of us but some more than some more than others and um i kind of don't want to kind of end this on a on a negative so i'll switch it back around and say that you know we're super excited about the year coming ahead like as a as a business i think this is going to be loads on i think people are well up for coming out and eating and having fun and drinking lots and and uh coming to things like our festival so uh, yeah, yeah i'm well up for it yeah, I also think that the, on the back of all of this, it's actually that there's never been a better time to join hospitality, like as a career, because the the industry needs you. The industry needs yeah. good people who give a monkeys about what they're doing, 
and you can you could absolutely fly quicker than in any other time in the world just by you know being a grafter and having and being able to control your attitude and and you know and really knuckle down and crack on yeah 100 percent. and also like you know ask questions you know try and be inquisitive you know the people that move through our business quicker are the ones that ask questions and learn and and you know um, and there's so much opportunity to learn you know about basic stuff in our life like food and wine and you know with us it's great because you've got all the kitchen gardens so we're growing stuff on site there's all the sort of i mean sustainability is a much bigger word than growing your own food but you know there's lots of stuff that all you know that that will be the next big thing in our industry, you know, mm. not in the coming year and the coming 10 years will be the radical change that the whole kind of, again, sustainability is too general a word for it, but the whole sort of movement will, will happen in our industry. Yeah. And, and we, and the nice thing about our industry as well is, you know, you can be in it and, and you can be in accounts, you can be in HR, you can be in operations, you, you know, you can be in sales, you can be in events. There's loads of kind of different Absolutely. things. So yeah, I think, we've got a great opportunity to to kind of reposition ourselves in the coming months and years for for future members of the, of the industry here here yeah well uh, <laughs> fingers crossed <laughs> absolutely and final question before i let you on your merry way what are you actually knitting at the moment <laughs> <laughs> that's a tough question i did try knitting once actually but um okay <laughs> drop, i dropped too many stitches let's just leave it like that yeah, I um, uh, it's a great saying, really great saying. No, brilliant. If uh, people would like to get a hold of you to learn more about the company, you or just generally chew the fat about all things hospitality, what's the best method for them to do that? They can certainly email me, although that's quite a sort of old, dull way of doing it, isn't it? You can WhatsApp, Twitter, or hit me on Instagram. Um, I don't know, <laughs> any way you want to do it, really. Um, my email is tom.ross at thepeakhotel.com. I sort of fanny around on Instagram a little bit. I don't do the hellhole of Twitter. Um, I look at LinkedIn about once a month, or you can just yeah. phone me. Be nice to chat. Yeah, yeah. Got what? Well, got you are old school, aren't you? Okay, Zoom. Sorry, you can Zoom me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that's cool. I um, I really, really appreciate you um giving us your time today. It's a, it's a cracking story you've you've got. You've still got obviously a, a hell of a lot to offer yet. But I, I, I wish you and the company all the success uh, in the world. I think what you guys are doing is um, your reputation is amazing and it continues to, to develop forward. So I, uh, I, I take my hat off to you all. Well, that's very, very kind of you. Thank you very much. And um, thank you for having me today. You're very welcome. Cheers, Tom. Take care. Bye, Bill. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. And there we have it, a fabulous journey from Tom with a bit of international travel thrown in for good measure and a journey that has taken him to some truly exceptional places to work, including where he finds himself now. We'll be back next Wednesday with our 100th episode where we'll be doing something a little bit different, but until then, thanks for listening and we'll see you then.